0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the game recap edition. Justin Ferguson, right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless, coming to you from parts unknown.
1: Painter, how are we? We're doing well, you know, we're making it.
0: We're making it. I I think that's probably the best way to, to describe Auburn football's performance on Saturday at San Jose State. Uh, i wouldn't say doing well uh but i will say making it as in avoiding a loss on a day and, and before we dive into the game auburn 24 san Jose state 16 thank you for listening um it was a it was a day where you know a lot of stuff was going sideways in college football it feels like there's always a week like this um it's become kind of uh it's become kind of said so much that it's no longer a surprise or it's no longer a um, an underground thing to think, but like whenever you think a college football weekend is going to be pretty bad or there's not going to be much going on, those are usually the ones that can get real exciting. And on this Saturday, you had Texas A&M lose to Appalachian State. You had Notre Dame lose to Marshall. Both of those teams are top ten teams. Both of those teams, I believe, paid at least one point five million or in that neighborhood for the game to lose that game. Uh, Georgia Southern uh, beats uh, Nebraska on the road. Shout out to Inner Circle member Walt, who went to the game. He's a Georgia Southern guy. Went to the game, asked a mailbag question this weekend about it, and I was like, man, game two for Clay Helton. I know Nebraska's been bad, but that seems a little like a stretch. Nope. Scott Frost is a dead man walking at this point. Uh, I think his buyout drops October 1st, so circle that date. Um... What else? There was, um, I mean, obviously, completely different situation. Uh, but Alabama and Texas, like Texas, really had Alabama on the ropes there for a while. That started the day, quintessentially for 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 uh, for this day of college football. Uh, Washington State goes and beats Wisconsin on the road as a multi touchdown underdog. Kansas doing the least Kansas thing ever and putting up a ton of points, including. Uh, winning an overtime game by 13 because a young man refused to go down on the pick six to end it against West Virginia. They were two touchdown underdogs. I think There were four or five FBS teams that lost to FCS teams, including one on a Hail Mary. This was a week where things got really out of control in college football, and Auburn was almost in that same spot of Notre Dame and Texas A&M and Nebraska of, hey, we paid you money, and you come beat us. Um, and this, this was a game, like I said, Auburn 24, San Jose State 16, where you got the win and that's about where the positives end. This was far, 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 far for the type of performance Auburn needed in week two. Um, it was bad. And, I I think one of the more interesting, you know, and, and, pointed um, stats you can come up with from this game is from our buddy Parker over at Stats of War. Right before we started recording this, uh, I tweeted it. According to to his numbers, Auburn's success rate in this game was 36.8%. San Jose State's success rate in this game was 36.6%. Nearly identical. And for those of you who don't know what success rate is, basically it's like, you know, if you get so many yards, percentage of your yardage on first down, second down, third down, fourth down, there's a formula there for that. That's what is considered a successful play. Auburn and San Jose State were virtually identical. You look at the final stats from this game, and Auburn and San Jose State were very, very close, right? Um, that's. There's no other way to slice it. It's early in the season. You can get better. We'll see how San Jose State is, blah, 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 blah. But as we're talking at the end of week two, Auburn, at home, played evenly with a San Jose State team that didn't make a bowl game last year out of the Mountain West. That is alarming, you know, to
1: say say the least.
0: Uh, Portland
1: State, uh, transitive property, taking you to the wire.
0: Yeah, (laughs) honestly. Um, I, I think, you know, I think if you're Auburn, your defensive line, your defense front, and then, like, especially the run stopping ability of your linebackers, um, that's probably through two weeks the only, only spot on the field where you're like, yeah, you feel good about it, right? And, like, defensive line is important. And, and, you know, I've, I've long said that, um, you know, you'd rather have that than pretty much anything else on your defense. But, man, the pass coverage is not going well at all for Auburn right now. Um, your quarterback play has been inconsistent. Um, you did get a good bounce back from T.J. Finley. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. Run game has been inconsistent. You've been able to pop some good runs, but uh, you know it, it's kind of the same old, same old for Auburn on the offensive line that even with Tank Bigsby, even with Jarquez Hunter – even with what you've got early on into Mario Alston or even a guy like Robbie Ashford coming in with his legs and making things happen, you know, you're getting stopped or you're getting stuffed way too often against teams that aren't in the trenches as good as what you're about to face here coming up. This Penn State team was a, was a really good uh, run-stopping team last year and should be again. You've got more of that coming down uh, down the pipe for you, so I, yeah, you know, we'll we'll break down all of it. But I, my my initial thought, my initial takeaway from this game is, yeah, you won, and you picked yourself off the mat in the second, in, in at halftime, and you bounced back and, and took care of business. But still, but still, it's only twenty four points, and you only win by a, by a touchdown against a San Jose State team that is not. One of the they're not Appalachian State. I wouldn't say they're Marshall either. If you wanted to play the comparison game, no, Georgia Southern's Georgia Southern uh, right now as as they get into year year one under Clay Helton. But like, I don't think you want to be comparing yourself to Nebraska right now, and in, in, in any respect, this this was a this was an alarming performance from Auburn just because um, in the, for this weekend you looked. Fairly even, maybe a little bit a little bit better in the second half to a Mountain West team that is probably not going to be a contender.
1: The defense was one that I thought potential top twenty defense if things really right. broke right, maybe top fifteen. Hard to feel that way now. We'll probably talk more about them. Of course, people are going to focus on the quarterbacks naturally. The offensive line, though, seemingly unable to run on the interior, as far as I can tell, like to consistently provide support for the running backs. So that was always, or for the quarterbacks, that was always going to be important that you were able to run the ball well all year, but especially the first half of the season when you're trying to figure out what that backfield really looks like.
0: Yeah. So if it wasn't for a Demari Austin run in the first half, that 30 yarder that he popped, Auburn would have averaged, their running backs would have averaged 2.2 yards per carry in the first half. Again, against San Jose State. San Jose State's got a good defensive front. They have been able to stop the run. That was something we talked about last week. But it's San Jose State. You know, size-wise, skill-wise, this is not, they're not Penn State. They're not, you know, these teams that you're about to play, you're not in that in that boat yet. And last week against Mercer, they were able to make some th- more things happen. They kind of wore them down. You never really got that that thought they were well, okay, they had it. You know, Tank Bigsby averaged less than four yards a carry against San Jose State. Right. Jarquez Hunter, five yards a carry, you know, pretty decent numbers uh overall from him, scored to another touchdown. Robbie Ashford was able to hit the edges, uh and, and you know, make things happen. They got him in the second half a little bit running the ball, uh, five five and a half yards per attempt, which is good. It's fine, um, you know, coming out of the locker room. But the start was just rough, and after the game, uh, guys like Austin Troxel and other other, uh, TJ Finley also were talking about San Jose State's defensive front changed a lot of stuff than what they put on film in week one. They were shifting, they were doing different things with how many guys they had down. They were shifting, they were doing a lot of stuff, and it confused them. They had to make adjustments, and when Auburn made those adjustments, and when they were they got on the same page in the second half, it worked. But I go back to something that Owen Papo said about the defense and it's this yeah you know, he, he said he said quote, it's Penn State coming up this week. Maybe we can get away with things like that versus a team like this, but versus Penn State we're gonna have to come out and correct those things. You're gonna make adjustments. things are gonna be different, right? you know uh, football, especially coaching is about making. Tweaks and adjustments and 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 fitting your game plan to what's going on and and it's and in that regard Auburn got the job done in the second half, but you know you come out this flat and this I think uh, one of the um one of the words that Troxel said was uh confused that some of the things that San Jose State did up front confused them. Um, you had time and you had the ability to, to to come away with it in the second half against San Jose State, but, like, you're about to play better teams and more talented teams, and you can't be... You can't afford to be in as, as big a holes as you did in this one, because in this one, they were... I mean, they were losing at the half, and... San Jose State almost had the ball for twice as much time as they did in the first half. It was just they were steadily moving it against Auburn's defense, even when they weren't always cashing in with points, which is the most important thing. However, on the other like if you're gonna play that Ben Don't Break style and, and you're gonna and you're gonna keep everything in front of you on defense, that's one thing. But you gotta counter it with an offense that is putting points on the board. And they they just they, it was not happening. It was a very unsuccessful first half on offense.
1: As nice as it was to see the San Jose State coach with a very sunny disposition, really liked yep. his sideline vibes, very wreck coach, I'm happy to be here, I'm glad I'm out of the office. The idea that they schemed something up that was confusing the offensive line isn't something I'm thrilled about.
0: Yeah. No, it it, it shouldn't be either. Because I think also there were times where even when things were figured out, Auburn wasn't getting what they needed to in the in the ground game especially. And they're moving guys around on the offensive line up front. You know, they're still switching out their, their right guard. Tate Johnson's new new to it. But still, like, it's got to pick up. It's got to get better. It's got to get better quickly. Because Penn State's got a really good defensive front. And that's been kind of their, their calling card for a while. Um under James Franklin and their defense, and it's uh, it's it's not a it's not a great sign. You, know, you were able to adjust, you were able to, like I said, pick yourself up off the mat and and come out. And and the difference between this game and say like t- last year's Georgia State game is a, is a great example, or uh, Jacksonville State in twenty fifteen, or Utah State in twenty eleven. These scares that Auburn's had is they didn't need the big dramatic ending. Like sure, San Jose State kicked that field goal, and then they had that onside kick uh, that went out of bounds. But after Auburn, like Auburn started the second half, touchdown, stop, field goal, took the lead, and it didn't. It didn't feel like the game was going to be in like that much danger again. I I didn't get that sense. Did you get that sense? Because I, I think once once Auburn put that second field goal on the board, it was like all right, they're just going to coast this one out, especially. Considering San Jose State's offense was not very explosive, like they weren't they weren't making huge plays. Now they were getting chunks, right? But they weren't they weren't the team that was like, oh, they're about to put up a touchdown and it's going to be a sh-. like Auburn forced a lot of field goals, um, and then their only touchdown they had was a short yardage one. So like they this didn't seem like okay. Well, when they hit this play, it's it's going to change everything. I think Auburn's defense had that under control, and the offense bounced back enough where it was like, all right, they were going to coast, but it just wasn't going to be pretty.
1: At halftime, I made a mental note, like, oh, if they can just get the 24 points, which seemed reasonable, they being all around. I was like, I don't think that San Jose State's going to be able to score two more touchdowns. And you can no. kind of watch the game usually and get a sense of which team is running their stuff and has control of the game, even if you're not winning, I think that happened to some extent in Notre Dame's first game where they were playing against Ohio State. Like, they had the lead in that game, but I was like, "Ah, you can just kind of get a sense that Notre Dame's not going to be able to effectively do that for four quarters. But to your point, I mean, you're not playing Ohio State. You're playing San Jose State. It's ugly. You kind of have control in the second half, but you're not able to pull away. It just seems so clunky. It seems so hard to move the ball. I think that there are teams right now in college football that are not particularly good, but they still move the ball up and down the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lack of explosiveness, or at least the lack of like huge plays, uh, is against, against two teams that you should be able to move the ball fairly well against is a bit of a concern, if not a more than a bit of a concern uh, at this point. Um, let's just go through kind of the, the rundown like position by position, uh, starting with the quarterbacks. TJ Finley starts the game one, one of five through the air. Uh, Robbie Ashford throws his pick early. We'll get to Robbie in a moment, but TJ Finley goes one one of five. I, the interception that he threw awesome play by San Jose state's corner. Um, ball wasn't perfect, but the decision was there. The read was there. Great play. Brian Arson said it after the game. TJ Finley said it after the game. They got on the sidelines and said, hey, good play by the kid. We got to be better on that, but we'll have to bounce back. After that, he went 12 of 15 the rest of the way. Um, averaged over 10 yards an attempt. Ripped the ball in that intermediate range pretty well. He had, there were a lot of double digit yardage plays that he got, um, you know, through the air in this game. Um, According to the stat broadcast, which I'm not sure how thorough it is uh, on this, he was 6 of 9 on medium-range passes, 3 of 6 on deep deep balls um, in this game. So better numbers? Uh, actually, you know what? I have PFF pulled up right here. Why don't I just read those? Oh, that's right. The, the short and intermediate definitions different. Finley, 2 of 4 on deep balls, uh, 2 of 3 on intermediate balls, 8 of 11 on short yardage passes. The eight of eleven with a pick is not great, but the rest you you will you will definitely take. Had some really good throws. Uh, had a play on fourth down where he fumbled the snap and still made something of it uh, and got the ball to T.J. Finley. They were able to convert, move the chains, made throws in the second half that absolutely were needed. I, I thought it was a pretty pretty good bounce back for for Finley. You know, last week, he throws two picks. He throws another pick in this game, and it kind of felt like, oh, dear, what, what is all we're going to do? What is all we're going to do? And to his credit, he stepped up like your starting quarterback should, like your QB1, like a, like a team leader should, and had, after that interception, his final three quarters, so the majority of the game, played well. Yeah, he, he played well. Um, wasn't perfect, but played well enough. To lead Auburn, and, and again, like like we said earlier, didn't seem like San Jose State was going to be in any danger of coming back in this one. Once, especially in the second half, where they had that first good drive, they punched it into the end zone and take really good running, but also Finley made some good throws on that drive. It felt like okay, now it's kind of back in control, which is a great sign for him because I don't know, and I think he'd be he would admit that this as well compared to what he. Uh, Based on what he said earlier uh, in the off season, I don't know if he would, mentally he would have been as prepared to make that bounce back as he did this time. I think he, I think you're showing some of the progress in him maturing as a quarterback and as a leader to be able. Yes, it's San Jose State, right? And 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 there were still mistakes, but you know all these all his teammates said he got in there and helped step up and said, hey. We're not going to lose this game. I got you. We're going. We're going to turn this thing around. And then they went out and did it, and that counts for something. I'm not saying you know give them the Heisman after this, but what I am saying is, is that is progress. That is improvement. Um, and you didn't always get that from Finley last season, uh, late last season when things didn't go right. And that's that's a good sign.
1: Instead of having my own thought, I'll just uh, steal Jerry Hennons from online. He said, Finley's been so good since the INT. Finley was so bad leading up to and including the interception. Finley's heroics on fourth down are a huge reason this game isn't a white knuckler. Finley's struggles are a big reason it was ever competitive.
0: That's kind of where I'm at, too. And so let's, uh, Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford leads Auburn in rushing in this game. He had seven carries for 61 yards, broke off a 30-yarder. Um, I think he fell down. a couple. Some of Auburn's rushing things were were not great, but then some of them they just fell down. He had zero, he had 30, but the rest of them were successful runs that he had. So it was like five of seven I think was his success rate running the ball. I think. I think it was a little more obvious in this game. That he doesn't have the full scope of this offense yet. At least he's not able to run it. Run it fully. Um, his second interception, throwing it downfield. Not a great decision. Not a great ball. Picked off. He got one more chance to throw the ball in the fourth quarter. Didn't really. It didn't really look like a good throw. One of three for one yard. Okay. It's been said this entire year to this point, and it needs to continue to be repeated, I think, because uh, there were a lot of Auburn fans that fell in love with Robbie Ashford after the Mercer game, and and, and I get it. Like, I 100%, 100% get it. He looked good. It was against Mercer. It was an FCS team. This game, I think, showed that, you know, he's still a work in progress in this offense, being able to run all of this offense, you know, being able to run the full scope of plays like a TJ Finley. And number two, he's developing as a passer. right? He's got to get... He's got to get better in that regard, and I think he will. And and it's, you know, you gotta keep in mind, this is only his second game he played in at the college level. Um but there's still a weapon that you can use with him. Right? There's still and I think in the second half, they pulled they put Ashford in the game a few times, even after the interceptions, even when Finley started getting hot and he brought you value, right? It didn't it didn't kill it. Uh, I think, you know, I think some folks were saying in the first half, like, "Well, the switching back and forth of the quarterbacks killed him." I was like, "I no, they just weren't playing good." Like, neither one. Second half, they're rotating a little bit more. I think you know, Ashford had the run to kind of seal it in the, on the final drive. He can still provide value, but I think this game show with Ashford, it's like, a it's it's a work in progress with them as a passer, as a decision maker, and all that at the college. And it's early, right? Like he's he's only this is only the second game for him. And number two, he can still give you value. And especially if your interior offensive line is not clicking like it should, or the offensive line as a whole is not clicking like it should in the running game, he changes things. Just him being out there opens things up for the running backs. He has opportunities on the outside, and that can be a weapon. That can be val- that can be valuable. Um, having a two-quarterback system or whatever you want to call it is not ideal, right? I think every coach would love to have a quarterback where it's like our offense is humming with this one guy and we make it work. But I think this game further showed Finley is QB1. He's just got to get a lot more consistent. And he's not far and away so good that he needs to take every single snap and Ashford can give you some value there. But when it comes to running the full scope of the offense and running, you know, doing everything – Finley's got that right now and they're going to continue to bring Ashford along and it, it you know to me it looked like a it, it looks it looks like something that can work especially if your offense really needs as much help as it can get to be uh what you want it to be uh, at this level
1: I do think the obvious part with Robbie is whenever he comes in it seems to really help your run game. I mean, that's like the most obvious thing that you could point out. But if Auburn's going to struggle to be able to consistently run the ball with TJ, yeah, I can understand getting into certain sections of the field and being like, let's see if we can pick up ten, twenty yards. I mean, you know, Robbie, what with the thirty-yard run, kind of. I guess that was was that maybe the best drive of the game. Yes, like just so. in a couple of plays, just sort of march down the field, and that's how you thought it should look for most of the game when you are playing San Jose State.
0: Right, it does, and and so, you know, turning it over to Ashford Foley, I I just don't know if as a passer, as a leader of this offense, he's there yet. It doesn't look like that's the case, and that's where Finley does give you that value. Uh, Finley is not the runner. I mean, he did score a rushing touchdown in this game, just a good zone read decision that he made. But like, there were some scrambles and there were some opportunities where it's like, eh, that's not that's not your game. That's, uh, that 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 is not that's not the game that Auburn wants to play uh with their quarterbacks so in the case of in the case of Ashford I think the challenge for Auburn staff moving forward is can you find ways to get Ashford on the field and working where it doesn't become too predictable right you don't want it to come into a situation where they're just going to key on the run game whenever he's in and make life really really difficult um for Auburn to get much of anything going, so he's going to have to be able to be a pass threat enough to do that. But you also need to keep in mind that like the run that Ashford that uh, that Finley went on that twelve of fifteen streak he went on in the in the second half uh, or in the in the final three quarters I should say probably not happening with Ashford against the FBS defense right now, right now. Um, I think it's I. I think there's a, there's a reason why, A, uh, you haven't seen Ashford throw the ball a ton, and B, I think it also kind of goes along the lines of like why you didn't see Zach Calzada in this game. It's just like, Finley's the guy, and they don't want to make this like super rash decision this early in the year. Um, and what happens in these first couple of games shouldn't erase everything that you learned beforehand, especially in the case of Finley, like last week, like this week. Where there are good moments and there are good ways to progress, I think Finley just kind of had the inverse of his first game, where the struggles happened early, and then he then he catch a lot. The week before, the week before it was he played well, then the two interceptions came, he flipped it around in this one, um, and it's just you got to get consistency there. You got to you got to get consistency because the challenges only get tougher from here.
1: Yeah, and for those of you listening, I get why you think, hey, this isn't going to get marginally better.
0: Yeah, no, I, I – uh, you know, you want to see progress and you want to see steps forward. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it too. I understand why why people think it might not happen. I do. Um, I will say that, you know, there have been some good moments for TJ Finley There have been some good moments for the passing game. And also, like, it's college football. It's it's, it, it's a game played by 18- to 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds. It's inconsistent. Auburn has one of the most inconsistent programs routinely uh, of all that. Last season, they needed a miracle from Finley to escape against Georgia State. The next week, they beat LSU on the road for the first time since 1999. So, like, you can say... You can say, like, we know everything about this team. And I'm not not saying they're going to definitively get better on offense. I'm not saying that at all. But also it's like it's two games into it and, you know, this is just – this is a team and this is a program and this is just a situation right now where, like, you don't know truly what to fully expect. I don't think – I think everybody can sit around and say it's probably not going to be great. But, like, you know, just because you struggle against a team like – San Jose State doesn't mean they're not gonna. going to they you know they're gonna have a losing record this year or you know all all, all that stuff. It's it's there's still a lot of ball game left, uh, a lot of ball games left. I should say.
1: Seems like there were a lot of penalties in this game.
0: A ton, a ton, uh, nine penalties for 86 yards. There were several more flags that were declined in this game. Uh, 86 penalty yards was the most against that since that 2020 game against South Carolina. Um so yeah, the most under Harson to this point. And it was just like you know, Auburn having a hard time blocking San Jose State consistently, and then they were getting these penalties. John Samuel Shanker got penalized three different times, I believe, all in the first half with blocking penalties. Rare for for him. There were some offsides, there were some false starts, a uh, pass interferences. We'll get to the D you know what let's just uh, well, all right, I'll say this, and, and we'll we we can weave in some more penalties. But like a lot of penalties, obviously that's that's Harson's kind of number one concern coming out of this one. That and the turnovers. Um, it's just not clean football, not good football. They didn't struggle with this against Mercer, but again against a team that turned out to be a bigger step up in um, competition than we probably would have thought coming in because of how they played against Portland State. It gave away a lot of yardage. Just gave away a lot of yardage. Killed some of your own drives. Kept other ones going for San Jose State. Gotta, gotta, gotta clean it up. Absolutely have to clean it up. Um, and then the pass defense. Let's. I. This is. This is the big one. This is the big one for me. Um, because I mean, I've I've been on the record throughout the offseason saying I think Auburn has a chance to have a really good defense this year. The way they are playing on the back end of the uh, of their defense right now, they will not be a good defense if, they, if, if it, this keeps up. Um, they're stopping the run exceptionally well. They have done their jobs in the first two weeks of the season against overmatched offensive lines and said, you're not running the ball, good luck. You know, just stopping it. I thought the pressure, they, they had a decent amount of pressure in this game. Cordero escaped and made and made things happen. You want to get more sacks. You want to you want to bring them down more frequently. I get that. I thought thought like Derek Hall had a great game. I thought some of the uh, Marcus Harris had three tackles for loss in the first half. I thought the front, the front mostly did their job. Always can find places to improve. Always can find ways to get better. Sack count definitely is one of those. But like thought they did their job. The back end, Cordero. 24 of 40 for 275. It's 60 yard, 60 percent completion percentage, not unreal good, but a little bit better than what he usually does. Better than what he did a week earlier against Portland State. 275 yards. Uh, he had a better game throwing the ball than Auburn had with their quarterbacks. He's experienced. He can move around. He can do a lot of different things. But it's just. They were completing passes. San Jose State was completing passes in this game where it was either finding a soft spot, an open man against the zone, or in, or in spots down the middle of the field, or they were not afraid to take one-on-one shots to the outside, and they were winning them. And that's that's a concern. Um, both Jalen Simpson and Nehemiah Pritchett had penalties in this game. Um, I believe both of them had opportunities where they lost one-on-one. You know, kind of jump balls on the outside. I think Simpson had a couple more of those. Um, like Keontae Scott thought played well at nickel in his first start, and you know, playing him there, Donovan Kaufman over the top. I just, it, it's to me, and and I'm going to do a film room on on the def- on the pass defense uh, on Monday. So I'll get I'll be able to talk a little bit more, or at least write a little bit more in depth after I completely watch all the film, but. This soft coverage, this bend don't break style. Like, yeah, San Jose State only scored sixteen points, only got one touchdown. Um, Auburn's run defense was a huge reason for that because one of the times San Jose State had to kick a field goal, they had first and goal at the one and went backwards, and then Auburn ended up making kick. Okay, great job there. You know, did your job, did your job there, defensive front. But it's just this soft coverage, It's this bend don't break. You you've got to. It's just you got to get off the field. you got to get off the field on third downs. Um, they were giving up these first down completions. Like, when San Jose State just said, well, we're not going to run the ball anymore and we're just going to throw it, they got things rolling and they spread it around. They had eight different receivers get multiple receptions. Um, good chunks downfield. I think Cordero, Cordero had most of his damage on bigger plays came in the second half. Like, Whereas the offense adjusted and adapted and changed up was able to run the ball and Finley stepped up and all that stuff on offense, your defense got worse. Your pass defense got worse in the second half, and that is that's a bad sign. Um, of course, San Jose State made their adjustments, but you got to be ahead of that, especially if you're the SEC team, especially if you are the 24-point favorite in this one. And so it's just whether it was guys getting open, you know, against soft coverage, or just winning these one-on-one matchups, it it looked rough. It looked really rough for Auburn's pass defense. And, like, ultimately, like, you only gave up 16 points, which, again, is not wonderful, but, you know, better than uh, it was. San Jose State had, I want to say, San Jose State had five or six opportunities to score in this game, and they only got 16 points not terrible by any means, you know, in terms of red zone and and stopping drives and and limiting opportunities. You did that. But, if San Jose State's completing these balls on you, I mean, we don't have to, we don't have to go for it very far back. Next week you play Penn State. And, last year, Sean Clifford sliced Auburn's pass defense up in that game. And he doesn't have... They didn't have uh, Jahan Dotson anymore, uh, but he's still got some dudes at wide receiver, and this is—they're going to be a lot better than what San Jose State's floated in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, the defense. Hmm. Maybe the secondary gets it together. That was what? not something I I expected no. coming into the San Jose State game, and big shout out to the staff for. Uh, for San Jose State, I think with less than ten minutes to go on something like a fourth and three, just punting the ball.
0: Yeah, I don't, I didn't get that at all. I, I didn't get that at all. That was that seemed kind of a little bit waving the white flag. Like twenty-four or forty for two seventy-five. They don't. They only score one touchdown. Um, you don't give up a truly huge play really until I think there was one late uh, from San Jose State. Let me make sure I get that right. San Jose State had that 40 yarder late. Those are they're not good numbers, but those are numbers you can live with against a power five team. It's like, okay, well, we didn't get we didn't give up the huge play, didn't give up a huge explosive touchdown, and we kept everything in front of us and you know, we just locked it down. That's that's a good example of to no a break that you can have against teams of equal or especially more talent. Not the case in this game. Not the case in this game. You need to be better in the secondary, against a team like this. This is the most passing yards, and I don't like using total yardage stats, but this is still worth mentioning. Most yardage Auburn's given up through the air to a non-power conference team since the Jacksonville State game in 2015. It was rough. It was rough. And I asked Brian Harson after the game about, about it because he had talked about having a high standard for the secondary and wanting those guys to step up. And he's like, we got to find ways to make play one-on-one balls more. And Auburn's got to tweak. They got to adjust. They they got to tighten up in their their coverage. They got to come up a little bit more or something, um, because the cushion seemed way too big I guess a team in San Jose State. Where like I think even more so than Mercer, you you didn't have to worry about enough uh, enough about them just beating you deep downfield and taking taking the top off against you. Like you can play back off if you're trying to prevent a team from being super explosive. If you're playing an old Miss, if you're playing some of these other teams, but like not not San Jose State, not not to not to a team that doesn't really seem super super threatening to like bust off the sixty or seventy yard pass, they got to tighten up or something. And then those one on one balls on the outside, Harsha said they got to make plays on it. And I, look, I'm not a defensive back coach. I know there's been playing defense is hard, playing cornerback is very hard. Might be the toughest thing to do, in in, in in major sports, shoot, we've been talking about this since the Kevin Steele days about like turning your head on defense, playing the man, playing the ball, all that like. I am not an expert on this. I don't know how guys are taught or coached up in in certain aspects, um, I, or at least I can't say this with authority. So I'm not going to. But they got to find they got to find ways to do something something on that because way too many times they're either completing those one on one shots on the outside, or getting flags, and, like, if San Jose State's doing that to you, SEC teams are definitely going to do that to you.
1: Was it just coincidence when I looked up, or did the advanced numbers you have for the defensive backs agree with at least what I thought I saw, which is that Pritchett was getting picked on more than I would have imagined?
0: According to – let's see. This is according to PFF uh, in coverage. According to this, Pritchett got targeted in coverage four times. Simpson was the one that got a, got a lot more of it. It seemed like DJ James was targeted seven times, but he had the lowest completion percentage against. I thought he I thought DJ James played well in this game. Keontae Scott had some had some had some good moments as well. I just, everything's got to tighten up. Owen oh, Papo talked about it after the game. As I said earlier, so like you can get away with some of the stuff against Penn State. I mean against San Jose State, but maybe not Penn State. Uh, he said. We need to get off the field on third down more. We gave up some deep balls. We got to get all that corrected. It's just little things like guys having bad eyes, using bad leverages, busted coverages. We had a few busted coverages in this game. You got to tighten that up. I I don't think it's a situation where you're looking at Auburn's secondary. Harson said after the game, he said, I like our guys that we have back there. And I I tend to agree. These are good football players. It's not a situation of like, hey, Auburn just ain't got the dudes there's no way this gets fixed it's a talent deficiency issue this is a coaching and technique and like this is an area where you have to step up and improve and we saw this last year from Auburn there were some games like Penn State like Mississippi State where things went really bad in the secondary but it wasn't like that every game so they got to flip that switch quick cuz Penn State'll just carve that up because they did it last year And I know they don't have the same receivers as they had last year, but like I said earlier, they've still got good guys. They've still got some dudes out wide. Um, They've got to be able to find a way, especially on the outside, to take it up because there's too many, and we saw this against Mercer too, too many opportunities where quarterback gets scrambled, loose, or they throw it up and Auburn's losing too many times on those one-on-one opportunities. They got to make plays on the ball. They got to get breakups. They got to find an interception or something. To point, DJ James made a good play down the stretch, the one that got reviewed to get that pass breakup. But it wasn't. It's not coming nearly as consistently enough as you would like at this point in the year. That's got to tighten up quick. Um, and we'll see. The pass pass rush can get better. You know, linebackers play their part in this as well. But for the defensive backs. It's going to be a challenge for for Zach Etheridge. And I think pretty much any Auburn person likes Zach Etheridge, not just because he played here, but they like what he brings as a coach. The challenge to him is that he's got to get his dudes improving rather quickly. Otherwise, like, team's going to have a game plan on Auburn. That, like, hey, we might not be able to run the ball, but that pass defense is exploitable. And it's good that Auburn has a run defense that can make you one-dimensional but if they're gonna make you one dimensional and that one dimension is the pass, well, that's the one that that's the one that hurts you more, more often than not in the modern game.
1: Point taken, Auburn needs to be better in the backfield. Certainly I know that turnovers are in many ways a function of luck, but it would be nice to see us force some turnovers. It it does seem to me though, like that interception or I guess it was called a pass breakup from DJ James could have been an interception that he fumbled out of bounds, couldn't it?
0: It was a struggle, and then it came out, and then so maybe it would, could have been more of a fumble that didn't go out more than an interception. But like, yeah, you need more. You need more stuff like that. You don't need it to come just in the fourth quarter, too, right? Like you, you need to you need to have that. So, and so for guys like James and Keontae Scott who got on the field a little bit more in the second game, maybe you can give that kind of spark and that edge. The one thing about Auburn is, is that they have not given up the, oh, they threw it over our heads, and they, they got this monster play, huge run after the catch. Like They're keeping stuff in front of them, but that inter- the intermediate balls, they're getting picked up, picked apart on those. Uh, and, and even Mercer was getting, getting some of those there. And it's just those chunks, sure, you can do that and say, well, we'll lock down in the red zone. That's not a sustain. That's not a sustainable of a strategy if it's not looking as good early on against teams that you're clearly better than. You you clearly have more talent than them. Um, and in this game, Auburn's talent and their size and their physicality won out in the second half. You know they were the better. Fo- Auburn was the better football team, right? San Jose State played like the better football team in the first half, and you're not going to have that same leeway. You're not going to have that same. Buffer against, you know, against teams like uh, teams like Penn State, like like Missouri, like LSU, and I mean, I think all three of those teams have had games where they haven't looked great so far this season. But if you're Auburn, I mean, and also uh, for Auburn, you're you're at home. But but if you are Auburn, it's like you got to tighten up. You've got to tighten up in these problem areas, and do it rather quickly because. You gotta take full advantage of what's going on here right now. That back half of the season, like Arkansas looks really good. Arkansas, Arkansas looks like a really good team, especially on offense. Alabama's gonna sort things out and be Alabama, Georgia's Georgia. You don't feel quite as great about AM anymore, (laughs) you know, after what happened this past weekend. Ole Miss is just kinda they've had two cruising wins early on because of the teams they've played. You got to take advantage of this. You're not going to be able to take advantage of this five game start at home if you play like this against teams that are power five teams, that teams that are like Penn State, LSU to a degree. Uh, I think LSU might be a little bit more talented on paper in that department, but they've got more issues. It seems like early on from that Florida State game, equitable or you know somewhere in that neighborhood level of talent, you play like this, teams are going teams are going to beat you. They're just going to flat out going to beat you.
1: Do you have numbers on the linebacker rotation snap count for those guys? Owen had the most
0: in this game. Cam Riley, uh, let's see. Owen Papo had 62. Cam Riley had 46 snaps. Wes Steiner had 32. Yeah, there was a decent amount of plays in this game where I think they had just one linebacker on the field. I'm going to have to go back and watch that as well because those, those numbers don't add up to, the, to all the snaps that Auburn played for sure.
1: Well, maybe the defense gets better. Uh, it's always going to be nice that you can lean on the defensive line, but I was uh, frightened at times by how effectively San Jose State could move the ball through the air against an Auburn defense that quite frankly I was thinking would be one of the best in the conference.
0: Right, and like there's still time for them to improve. You know, we've we've seen really good defenses. Well, I might have been wrong there about the about the snap count because I can't do math. Add all those up; that is 140 snaps. <laughs> Multiple uh, divide that by the two linebackers around the field. Yeah, okay, so I was an idiot. Disregard what I just said about having just one linebacker on the field. They might have done that like a couple times. But yeah, you saw a lot of Papo out there. I think because of the guys that were in coverage. I thought I thought West Dinah played a pretty good game. You know, even really good defenses in the modern game have bad days, right? Uh, I think back to like Georgia's like best defense of all time, you know, every last season and how Alabama just tore them up in the in the SEC Championship game. You don't necessarily rule it all out like okay, they'll never get better. This won't this won't be an opportunity for them to to grow or build off of it or anything like that. They got the win. I think they got I think the the two good things you have for Auburn right now are the fact that they have been pretty good in the red zone. They've been able to limit teams to field goal opportunities and and not sticking it in the end zone. Again, it's San Jose State, Mercer. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good mo to have on defense, especially against the teams you're about to play. And number two, your front, your defensive front is going to keep you competitive in a lot of games. We saw it last year in the Iron Bowl. We saw it at, at plenty of times. Like they're they're going to make things happen. You got to be tightened up enough and you got to be good enough in the back end to keep it going. I guess we haven't mentioned like the weird thing from this game for me, the wide receivers just weren't really much of a factor in this game. They used the running backs a lot. They used the tight ends. Only five receivers were even targeted the entire game for Auburn out wide. Javarius Johnson had another solid game. You got some good, you got a good moment or two out of Tavares Dawson Coy Moore got the start. Um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. looked like he was banged up. You know, dressed out but didn't go through warm-ups. You didn't get him involved in the running game either. You know, I thought last week against Mercer, Auburn did a really good job of using a bunch of different guys, getting them involved in different ways. You didn't see that same level of creativity. and Maybe you're holding some some stuff back before you play Penn State. Maybe some of it was just, hey, you got to get to the basics. you got to do this more simple stuff because – you know you you got off to such a flat and ugly start on offense but i think that was the, that's something that is going to stand out to me from this game is that you know your wide receivers you felt pretty good about them coming off that first game that like hey you could build you can build and it's just kind of like the team as a whole they just didn't take a step forward from that they didn't have that week 1 to week 2 change that you were hoping for it didn't hurt you it didn't kill you you know, I think that I think that played a big part into into why Auburn didn't look quite as effective on offense. And, and like I said, maybe they're holding stuff back, but I expected a lot more out of the receivers in this game.
1: More of a coincidence than I think it is telling and the outcomes of the games were different because Auburn eventually ran away from Alabama State last year. It, it's the second year in a row though where you didn't see, I think, a big progression from week 1 to week 2.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, they were able, like they had pen, penalties, were a problem against Alabama State last year as well. I think Chandler Wooten after during the game he was tweeting you know, former Auburn linebackers like the Week Two Blues. He's talking about say, how it caught some SEC teams, how it was catching Auburn. Yeah, just it, penalties. You know, you weren't able to throw the balls effectively early on. In this game, though, I think the big difference was, hey, Auburn got it done, finished it off in the second half. You did see your quarterbacks take a step forward. Like last year against Alabama State in week two, bonix did not look good, but Auburn's able to run the ball and dominate and, and, you know, better competition, much better competition this time around. Um, but yeah, you didn't take that, take that step forward, you know, and, and for Auburn, the opportunity was there where you play a good game, you get a comfortable win, and people are feeling, you know, maybe not overly optimistic about Penn State, but, you know, I think I think the vibes would have been a whole lot better, <laughs> you know. Today, uh, you know, on Sunday, I think people are concerned. Uh, and, and, and they should be. And they should be. Because if Auburn plays like they did against San Jose State, against much better teams, it could be a rough season. There are positive points, like the defensive line, like the bounce back from T.J. Finley, like some of the plays you were able to make in the running game, like locking down in the red zone. It's not as... It's not always as bad as it seems. It's not as always good as it seems. I think, uh, I think Justin Lee, our friend, wrote that in his column uh, from the game on, on Saturday. But, um, yeah, like, it, it, the roster is the roster at this point. right? You can sit here and blame who to blame for the offensive line looking like the way it does, for the quarterback situation to be what it is. You can point fingers at the old staff, the new staff, whatever. You can do all that. But, like, the roster is what it is at this point. And for the next ten games, Auburn's got to make do with what they have and, you know, try to take advantage of a schedule where you have the next three all at home. And maybe the landscape of the SEC doesn't look quite as daunting for some teams, like Texas A&M, as they did at the beginning of the season. Like Missouri looked real bad (laughs) yesterday against, against Kansas State. LSU looked not great against Florida State. Now they crushed Southern, but it was Southern. Um you gotta, you got to be able to put all that, put all that behind you and, and push forward. And we saw Auburn do that at times last season. They're just going to have to do it really quickly here.
1: Just seems like a tepid fan base right now because you want to get excited for the Penn State game. You got them at home after they eked one out against you last year. But I feel like the approach from the fan base is just, uh, this is going to be fun.
0: Look, if you're down on this team, I get it. Like that, nothing about what happened yesterday should give you <laughs> a lot of confidence in this team.
1: And I think a lot of fans are doing the calculation, like, well, you know, uh, it's early. Auburn didn't look great in the first half of the season last year. Before it reeled off some wins, so, like you're trying to play out the scenarios favorably for yourself. Well, it was the opposite Penn thing State. last
0: year. Well, was it? Uh, no, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying.
1: I think what I they mean is – They fell apart is, is, in the, uh,
0: down the stretch, too.
1: Yeah. I, it's just like, okay, you didn't play well against Alabama State. You didn't play well against Georgia State. But you were able to to find some ways to win. Then you actually right, got some big season, wins yeah. in the middle of the season. So, like, you're yeah. trying to, I think, run that scenario through your head about how likely it is now that you're playing some of these teams at home that you could do it again.
0: But you got to play a lot better than you did <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. As as yes. at the bare at the bare minimum. You gotta play a lot better than you did on Saturday. All right. Uh we will wrap up here shortly with some final thoughts. I want to talk I want to talk some of the rest of week two in college football um before we go. Um but if you like this show and you want more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. It's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. You get all the newsletters, um already a ton of conversation about in the comment section uh, for the uh, observations from the San Jose State game. There'll be a film room, like I said, on Monday. You can read a lot of Penn State week coverage as well. Also, you get our preview podcast. You get these You get these ones on the weekends for free um, where we recap the games. But if you want the preview podcast, uh, and we are working to have our friend Audrey Snyder from The Athletic to be on with us this week from the Penn State game, Um you have to be a subscriber. So auburnobserver.com at $6 a month or $60 a year. Check it out. You get all of my writing. Um, you get all of the podcast with myself and painter and then friends of the program, which, who I don't know what that's going to look like the next time y'all record, but, uh, <laughs> I think
1: we're doing one this week. We had discussed doing one between San Jose state and Penn state.
0: Well, that'll be interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can get that, um, as well with the subscription, so sign up there, and uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll greatly appreciate that. It uh, continues to help us do the free show, and also keep the newsletter rocking and rolling. Appreciate all of you who are in the inner circle that have helped us out so far, as we continue to push here in year three of The Observer. Also, you can help us out for absolutely free. Um, even if you're a subscriber or a non-subscriber and you just listen to the free shows. If, you're that, if you do that, we still love you guys. Uh, but you can help us out for free by doing this one weird trick. Painter?
1: Rate, review, subscribe. Maybe you're at a traffic light. Maybe you're cooking dinner for the family. Maybe you're hanging out with your kids. I don't know what you're doing right now, but you've probably got your phone in your hand or in your pocket. Pull that thing out. Search the Auburn Observer. Take like 20 seconds... We love it.
0: And if you can give us a review and say nice things about us, we'll read it on the air because A, we're vain people, and B, we like to shout out those of you who follow instructions. And we love you guys uh, and gals who, uh, who listen to us. All right, we got a few more reviews to read, Painter. You ready? Go for it. This is from CVP3. says, great show, Goat Auburn Podcast. Folks, you're hearing <laughs> it more and more. That's really high praise. Probably too much praise than what we have, but yes, thank you. This one's from Verde Means Green. I wonder who this is. Uh, it says, two thumbs up. I start my day, uh, start my day every day by listening to, when I get out, to two things when I get out of bed. One, the Monsters, Inc. theme song, and number two, uh, Fergan Painter's Dulcet Tones and Top Notch Insight on this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The Monsters, Inc. theme song is great, um, and we all love it. Uh, this is from, uh, I'm going to say Kutch, Twenty-three, kind of like former great uh, Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder Andrew McCutcheon. That's what I'm guessing is like that. Uh, it says this podcast makes the 45-minute to one-hour commute I have between Arlington and DC enjoyable. <laughs> Painter, <laughs> we've got some Nova folks on on the line. I've got a I've got a sibling who lives in Arlington now too. Uh, Justin's in-depth analysis and Painter's silky smooth pipes are unmatched. There isn't a place to a better place to read and listen about Auburn football and basketball. This is this is for you, Painter. The friends of the program episodes remind me of talking Auburn football on the back porch of Bodega with my friends. <laughs> the <laughs> subscription is well worth it, and I actually gave my dad one for Christmas. That's very kind. Thank you.
1: Right around throw, the corner.
0: Yep. Throw on your favorite home field Auburn tee and subscribe to the Auburn Observer now. Thank you, Coach, Coach Twenty Three. I feel like, how do you feel like friends of the program getting compared to the back porch of Bodega? I think that's a that's that's pretty. I think that's the vibe y'all are trying to hit, right?
1: That is high praise uh, a monument should be erected uh, in in that establishments place uh, and shout out to those of you who are kind enough to reach out and invite me to get drinks when I was in Nova that was nice I was hanging out with my nine-year-old grandmother however otherwise that would have been real cool appreciate you
0: final uh, review for this week is from Bama Nola, Alabama Nola says, love the coverage. Even the free version of the podcast is above and beyond anything else I can find. That was very, very kind for all of you. Um, thank you so very much. Again, we're vain people. We love hearing you brag about us. Um, but more importantly, the reviews do help people find the podcast, which help us find the newsletter, which helped us, you know, do this for a living. So thank you so very much uh, for all that. All right. Also, our friends at Home Field Apparel, ladies and gentlemen, they're at folks, it again, folks. They released a bunch of T-shirts this week for former national champions. They're, 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 they were dropping like upset T-shirts last night. You know, you, you can get if, you, if you're just feeling good about App State right now, you can you can go get a you can go get an App State shirt if you want to celebrate uh, Georgia Southern uh, and the uh, and the uh, uh, potentially the end of Scott Frost Day forever. Um, you can go get a you can get some really cool Georgia Southern stuff at homefieldapparel.com. But more importantly, you can get all your Auburn stuff there. Um, 24 products in stock right now. It's it's honestly the very best Auburn apparel that you're going to find anywhere. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Homefield t-shirt right now. I just grabbed one. It it's it's the Pitt one. Pitt didn't beat Tennessee yesterday, but you know, I'll 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 still I'll still ride for for Pitt and the good brand. We're talking the most comfortable T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies that you're going to find anywhere. The coolest Auburn logos as well. You're going to want to, you're going to get a, get your hands on this. Homefieldapparel.com. Um, promo code Observer when you check out. It will give you 15% off your first order. My homefield pick of the week, Painter, is ahead of Penn State week. It's not it's not cold enough yet to go with a with a um, uh, with a, with a sweatshirt or anything like that. You know what? I'm going to get my recommendation again. is going to be the 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 painter, the painter shirt, the sailor hat, the side-eyed obby. Honor one of the biggest games of the year. Honor painter and buy the sailor hat. He's saluting right now on a really great, super comfortable gray t-shirt. I'm wearing a wearing one of their gray tees right now. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to homefieldapparel.com. Click on Auburn. Find the sailor hat, tiger t. If you want another look, just look at painter's look at painter's avatar on Twitter. Appreciate Connor and Whitney and the gang for continuing to support us here at The Observer. I'm sure they'll have more cool stuff on the way here very, very soon. Thank you, Homefield, Field, for uh, your continued support of what we do. All right, Painter, we've got, we'll have a few more minutes before we go. Uh, I just wanted to talk some week one with you. You came up with an idea during your tweets on Saturday that I wanted to mention, and I'm with you here. Brian Harson said after the game they were going to uh, maybe send in some penalties for review, some pl- some calls for review. Co- teams do that all the time. They'll be like, hey, we thought this was not good. What happened? What the heck? <laughs> like, tell us, tell us what happened here. You know, kind of explain it. That happens all the time. The Alabama-Texas game, the controversial non-safety that was almost dangerously close to the worst call I've ever seen in my life. But your idea was that when coaches submit their complaints to the league officials, to the league offices, that it should be publicly broadcast.
1: Correct, and no better place for this than PBS. PBS, Uh, okay. Unfortunately, the way this would happen is it would immediately get commercialized, and then ESPN would have some suit that would probably be like, uh, yeah, today the camera accidentally wasn't recording and the other camera person fell asleep but if we could get this on public broadcast free from the 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 evils of advertising correct uh now that's the only way that that would ever happen and then it would become very boring at the minimum give me the interactions between the coaches and the officials and the sec i just want to see the facial expressions of the of the league when they have to defend some of these calls
0: and when Texas joins the league, uh, whose conspiracy are we going to follow at that point? Because yesterday it was like, in their home stadium, Texas couldn't get the calls anymore because they're already going to the SEC, Paul. <laughs> like, that's, that, was, that was wild. Also, shout out. I, I feel like you would appreciate it. Did you see the Sartre quote after the game where he's like, we didn't lose, we just ran out of time?
1: Incredible spin zone. And I think you have to look at it that way if you're Sartre.
0: Like, if you're Texas, hey, man y'all play better than a lot of people thought you were going to play in this game. And you did it with your backup quarterback. There's, you know, so many different reasons why you should say if you're, if you're Texas, you don't need to hang your head from this game. You know, Brian Harson doesn't seem to be high on moral victories. Um, he also said after the game, it's like, I'm never going to say a win is a win. It's like, that's a good, <laughs> good approach to that because that win yesterday seemed like a win in name only for Auburn, you know, the, <laughs> I love the thought. It was like, yeah, you know, we just ran out of time. Incredible. Like, brother, you missed a 20-yard field goal. I'm like, yes, I know the safety. I know the safety was big. I know the safety was big. We are like, you missed a 20-yard field goal. You had a chance to bring Bryce Young down and, and, and make it even tougher. And dadgum, man, like, I don't know. I know Auburn fans don't want to hear overly positive things about Alabama football at any point, and they didn't look awesome yesterday, but. It's crazy how Bryce Young can have, have not great games and then he's
1: like, and by the way, <laughs> is this I'm the most important impossible. drive of the game? Yes it is. I will be scoring. I mean, and that is kind of the thing where I, one of the things I'll give Alabama credit for over the last fifteen years. Whenever they have one of these scares, they usually figure it out. Like and I think that yeah. is obviously a sign of a team that is more talented always and is well coached. Like yep. when they're when it matters most for in, in whatever way they have to, they find a way to get the stop or to get the points. Uh, you know, I, I in a way, like, yeah, hats off to Alabama. Uh, I I was very dismissive of Texas at the office this week. I have a, a Texas fan that I work with, um, you know, and now I just look silly because the team that I wanted to lose ended up winning, and Texas also looked, like, pretty decent. For, for a team that, again, when K- Quinn
0: Ewers got hurt, uh, you thought like, oh, we're gonna do, we're gonna run back the Colt McCoy uh, angle again, and uh, yeah. Speaking of Texas, though, I, I just have to say it: Auburn did not look good, but they were far from the worst-looking SEC team on Saturday because, good lord, Texas A&M, what what happened? What happened? Texas A&M loses seventeen fourteen to say State. Appalachian State's a good. Group of Five program, like, we'll give them a lot of credit, and they probably should have beat North Carolina last week. But listen to this: Texas A&M had 186 yards against Appalachian State. They were two of eight on third downs. They had 97 passing yards, 89 rushing yards, 4.9 per attempt per carry. If that seems a little, it seems a little high to you for the averages. Listen to this: They had two turnovers. They lost two. They lost it twice. Appalachian State had the ball for 41 and a half minutes in this game. Texas A&M had it just for a little over 18. Okay. Appalachian State ran 82 plays. Texas A&M ran 38. Just an obscene difference in the in the uh, in, in the play wild. Absolutely wild. Texas A&M's defense can go to work. Um, we saw this like when they played Sam Houston last week. It was like a hey, and offensive line doesn't look great. They're they're not not doing super well. This game they got whooped. They got whooped by App App. Like didn't even have a ton of explosive plays or anything. They had some they had some good runs and some good. Uh, the, the Cameron Peoples is a really good running back. Uh, A&M scored on a um on a kickoff, I believe. That's wow. It's just miserable game it can always be worse Auburn fans um and just because you have a bunch of really good recruits doesn't mean that you've got that you're gonna automatically uh uh have fame and fortune and all the success in the world and in, co- in, in college wild stuff and uh, just a reminder also Jimbo Fisher just got extended uh last year guaranteed contract Every single dime is going to him no matter what
1: happens. He is finessing them. Absolutely elite work by him and the agent.
0: And I've said this about Jimbo for a while, you know, and I'm a hater, I'm sure. I'm sure. Here's the thing about Jimbo Fisher I don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to be ready to roll as a championship winning coach unless he has clearly the best talent on the field. And now AM just signed the number one recruiting class in the country. They're gonna need a lot more of those to catch the Alabamas and the Georgias. They're gonna need several more of those, I should say. But go back to his time at Florida State. Once Clemson started getting more talent than Florida State did, it was over. Or at least equitable talent, it was over. And then he goes to AM, and AM is just so desperate for a championship coach that they go give it and they give him everything he wants, and they give him all this money, and they're they got the NIL thing rolling and the recruiting's recruiting's flowing, and yet this is the worst loss they've had under Jimbo, and they've had some not good ones. They can turn it around, they can bounce back, sure, all that's all that is true. You're paying a lot of money for that. Offensively, just have not seen a whole lot of creativity or a lot of a lot of anything new from from Jimbo this side of Jameis. It just they just haven't. So could be a lot worse. Also, let's not overreact to the first two weeks of college football season. Okay, Because if you want to overreact, might I point you in the direction of the Florida Gators, who went from unranked to, what, 13th? some, some pretty high up there. I think against 12th. 12th against Kentucky. Kentucky goes and beats them on the road. They've won two out of the last three in the swamp. It's wild because Kentucky had never won. <laughs> it's
1: been like 31 years or something yeah. where Florida was just hanging it up on them.
0: Shout out to Mark Stoops. You tell John Calipari uh, what, what <laughs> what's on your mind, brother. Um, you know that
1: he was furious.
0: But the overreaction the overreaction I thought, you know, and look, I thought Anthony Richardson looked great, obviously. But there was just this like really extreme reaction to what they did against Florida. Oh, Florida did against Utah in Week One. Billy Napier said at one point this week. I don't know the full context of it, but he said something that Anthony Richardson was like like it was compared to um, compared him to Cam and then maybe another quarterback. I can't remember who it was. This week, Anthony Richardson 14-35 through the air. Two interceptions. uh, Six carries for four yards. Not a good game at all. Kentucky wins by ten. He had a pick six. Big play there. Not great offense from either team, but Again, if you overreact and say, well, Florida's got it rolling all- already, Kentucky's got a little something to say about that. Teams can change. Can, you know, It's inconsistency. It's college football. It's part of the wackiness that makes the sport so fun and so special. Uh, so if you want to be pessimistic about Auburn, I get it. <laughs> like, there were plenty of reasons to point that out on, on, on Saturday. But also it's like, what you see in the most recent game isn't always going to carry over every single week. And uh we see that from time from time to time in the game of college football. Man, Marshall just not just beating Notre Dame, but like kinda kinda styling on him at the end. That was something. I still like Marcus Freeman. I think, you know, I, I think Notre Dame's gonna be fine long term, but maybe Maybe Brian Kelly knew what he was doing when he bounced out of out of South Bend at the right time. Maybe maybe there maybe there's some some of that there, and then yeah, Scott Frost. Bye bye. Bye bud. Bye bud.
1: Wonder where he'll land next. You think he'll go the analyst route at the Nick Saban? They even did a whole a whole. They spent a lot of time on Game Day talking about how incredible Nick Saban's assistants are. His um,
0: his, his celebrity rehab for. Right, right. I wonder if he'll
1: coaches. go off and be an OC somewhere in the West Coast, or if he'll just do the smart thing and go rehab at Alabama,
0: he's rehab somewhere. I'm telling you, man. Remember, remember how it was like? Oh, Nebraska's back. They got it now. Awesome.
1: I mean, I did think when that that season when Auburn lost the LSU game in 20. It seemed like the most 20- slam dunk hire that yeah. you could have made. I was like, Oh yeah, Scott Frost would be a fun hire if we get rid of Gus since, you know, that's what we're talking about post the LSU debacle in twenty seventeen and then it became clear it was all Nebraska and it was like, Oh well, you know, good for them. They made a good hire and it's like, Nope. <laughs> Once again, Painter, you have managed to miss the mark.
0: Anything else stand out for from you?
1: Um it was, was always a- funny that Florida got went from unranked to 12th in the country. And, again, it was like, you know, they beat a top-10 team. That's good. Uh, they beat a top-10 team by intercepting the ball in the end zone. Like, they very easily could have lost that game. And as I said, I think, earlier in the week, how many spots in the rankings was that interception worth? Our
0: buddy Josh Vitale said it on Twitter. Somebody tell me why Texas A&M was supposed to be a top 10 team, sixth best team in the country. And I said, well, the same reason in Oregon was supposed to be 11th or 12th or whatever the, were the week before it's like, somebody has got to be right. You know, it's got like, there's everybody might be kind of some form of terrible this year, but it's college football too, man. Like it's, that's just, that's just the sport that we're, that, that that we're covering and, and watching. But Josh pointed it out again, he said, I don't think we should rank anybody until about October. And I was like, I'm 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 getting more yeah, and more be, on board with yeah, that
1: idea. I understand why we do it. Gives us something to talk about in the few weeks leading up to the season, but it, it doesn't make any logical sense to do it.
0: Well, and the other thing there is, is that we don't have to have a number by a name to tell us if it's a team is good or bad or if it's important that this team won or lost. Like
1: you know who the good teams probably are and what consists of like a decent competition, I think. Well,
0: like we know Nebraska's not very good right now, but like Georgia Southern beating them was still a big deal. They didn't have to have a number by their name to to know that. So like I think that we could apply that to an A&M Appalachian State game. We could apply apply it to a Notre Dame Marshall game like we didn't have to we didn't have to necessarily have that. Um, it's just I don't think we know anything until at least a month into the season about teams. And, again, Auburn fan, if you want to stay optimistic, here you go. Just threw you a lifeline. Um, again, if you don't want to stay optimistic and you want to throw it back, I get you 100%. I'm with you. Um, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the inverse of that would be did you need to know that it was a top-five matchup when you saw Ohio State-Notre Dame play? Like, seeing those two names is like, all right, well, that's probably something that I'll those are, watch. Two, those are two teams that should have some talented football players. Right. It's like I probably would watch that game regardless of what the little numbers said. Anyway, we
0: might not know anything. The one thing I do know is Auburn's got to get a lot better from what they showed on, on Saturday because that was... Like I said, I think a win and name only is probably the best way to put it. You don't want to look and say, "Well, your team right now is playing evenly with a <laughs> with a Mountain West team that didn't make a bowl game right. last year." Like right. that is that is a bad sign. I don't Wait. care what year you were in, I don't care what your roster looks like, I don't care you know any of that. Like it's more complex. You know, obviously it's, there's so many moving parts, but ew.
1: you often to step say, up and turn around." you often say all yards are not created equal. Um, I would tend to apply that to an even larger degree. Like very clearly all wins are not created equal. And the way you got to this win was ugly. And who it was against was somebody that's like, I'd really like it if we had looked like Ole Miss instead of whatever that was.
0: Yeah. So it's got to turn around quick and like, you know, you can't rest on your laurels at all. You know, it's not like you yeah. get another tune-up. It's Penn State.
1: No, I think other than what Western Kentucky,
0: that's it. This is it. From here on out, you've got it. You're in it now. And
1: there's nobody, and A and M may not be as good as you thought. LSU may not be that good, but
0: Missouri you don't might play not be that good.
1: Yeah, you you really don't play anyone weak from this point on. I guess Missouri might be the closest thing to it,
0: and even still. And even still, they played Kansas State. They weren't playing San Jose State. All right. That's going to do it from us. Uh, We will be back later in this week, hopefully with our friend Audrey Snyder of The Athletic to cover Auburn-Penn State to preview that game. We'll have film room on Monday, a lot more newsletters throughout the week, mailbag on Friday, all that good stuff. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for supporting us, those of you who are in the inner circle. Like Painter says, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, go to homefieldapparel.com and buy something nice. We'll be back here in a few days for those of you uh, in the inner circle. Until then, painter, what you leaving them with?
1: Welcome to the SEC Texas. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. When I was younger so much younger than today. I never needed anybody's help in any way But now these days are gone, I'm not so self-assured Now I find a gentle mind, I'll open up the doors Help me if you can, I'm feeling down And I do appreciate you being right